Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys and offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com. And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout the state, including 11 offices in the Baton Rouge area, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank. Banking with greater momentum. At B1Bank.com. Mansour's on the Boulevard. We're out to lunch with Stephanie Regal. Stephanie Regal is a broadcaster and editor of Baton Rouge Business Report. It's business Baton Rouge style. Hi, I'm Stephanie Regal. Welcome to Out to Lunch. In today's economy, branding is everything. And one way companies get their name and logo out there is by putting them on everything. Golf shirts, baseball caps, water bottles, you name it. If you look around Baton Rouge, you can see examples of this everywhere. Well, one local entrepreneur is carving a niche for himself in the field of promotional marketing by putting these logos on premium merchandise by name brand companies like Nike and Under Armour. It's an approach that's paying off for this firm, AST Marketing Group. Joining me today on Out to Lunch is the firm's co-founder, Carrie Guglielmo. Carrie, welcome to Out to Lunch. Thanks for being here. Stephanie, thanks for having us at Mansource. It's great. Wonderful. And hand-in-hand with branding is marketing. And in today's high-tech economy, successful marketing entails more than just getting your name and logo on the pocket of a golf shirt. It means getting your message out online, on social media, and in carefully constructed content that can reach a targeted audience, often without them even realizing it. Mary Ellen Slater is an expert in that field. She used to be a columnist for the Washington Post. Today, she's built a firm here in Baton Rouge that specializes in content marketing. That firm is Reputation Capital. Mary Ellen is here to tell us about it. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right. Well, Carrie, I'll start with you. When You really are an entrepreneur. You spent years on the road as a Nike rep, and you always wanted to build your own business. And here you are. Tell us how it came about. Well, Stephanie, thank you. We feel our story is unique, and and we feel uh, with humility but with confidence that we have the most unique model in the state of Louisiana. My partner was at Nike for 25 years, lived in eight different cities. He's 57 years old. He was a Terra grad. I'm a Catholic grad, 10 years younger from Baton Rouge, and uh, was with Nike Golf uh, in in management there for 20 years. So we have 45 years at Nike Inc. North America. We feel that 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 company knows a little bit about the brand thing. And uh, we've taken those uh, experiences and learned and uh, formed uh, our own distribution company. We've been thinking about it really for eight years. We put pen to paper three years ago, and 13 months ago I talked my wife into letting me leave this secure job to launch our own uh, new venture. And, And in that 13 months, not very long, but so far so good. We are thrilled. We have 126 clients, 87 are in the greater Baton Rouge area, two young sales reps that we're developing quickly, and uh, we're, we got a lot of work ahead of us, but we're very, very, very inspired. There, there's no one that's taking our approach, which, okay, which so is one what of the keys. Okay, so what is that approach? We, we, because of our network, we have gone direct with premium brands such as Nike, such as Peter Millar, such as Drake Waterfowl, such as Sims Waterfowl, and, and many, many, many other brands, and, and we've taken the promotional space to a premium level. We're not just putting brands on trinkets and trash. We're, we're going to companies that truly value your, their brand. We're talking about brand elevation, P&L savings, and hopefully taking a strategic approach to the space. So, okay, so if, if I had to wear a company shirt, you're saying 
I wouldn't have to look frumpy and stupid in it. <laughs> because if somebody told me to wear a company golf shirt, I would just die. Um, and you're saying with your premium brands, it's a much better quality product that people are going to want. It, it is. I mean, it, it, if you're strictly about price, we're not your firm. But, but if value and service are in the conversation, we'd love to do business with you. We just launched an extensive employee wardrobe program, is what we call it, as an example for Mockler Beverage, from their mm. truck drivers all the way to their executive team, uh, with a myriad of different brands uh, to connect with those different needs. And uh, we do a lot more than apparel, but we do do a lot of apparel. And um, it's, been, uh, it's been wonderful. All these big companies in this great economy in South Louisiana, they're serious about their brand, and, and we take their brand seriously. Do you see more companies using this apparel, wearing this apparel, like during the work day, for instance, even, you know, across the spectrum? Or is it just for special occasions and stuff? It's for everything. It's for everyday work use. It's for events. It's for marketing. It's for client swag, uh, et cetera, et cetera. And again, not just apparel, but any promotional items, that any merchandise that, that a Turner Industries or a, a, a Cajun Construction or an All-Star all Automotive, anything that they would put their brand on, um, we'd love to be the provider. And you say not just trinkets. So what's an example of some of the more higher end and truly useful items that, that y'all brand now? Well, if you want to talk about Yeti, if that brand based out of Austin become a lifestyle brand, pretty fascinating what that company's done. If you think about a Peter Millar and what they've done in the apparel industry, um, those are the things that we talk about and, and lead in. And, you know, we'll sell you a koozie as well. Mm -hmm. When we're speaking with the executive team at Performance Contractors, we don't go in talking about koozies. But, but we ship koozies and coffee mugs every day. And how important when you're going into a Performance Contractors or a Turner is the selling point of having a Nike or an Under Armour brand. Does that make a difference when you're talking to these guys? It's the number one thing we hang our hat on. The number two thing is, is our experience at Nike Inc. for 45 years with my partner and I. But the number one thing without question is our access to premium, which our competitors do not have access to. Because it's just a higher quality or because it has that cachet or both? Uh, frankly, due to our connections in the business. Okay. We have been able to sell those brands that we will treat their brand in the appropriate manner so we, we could have this unique supply chain uh, distribution philosophy. That's fantastic. Well, Mary Ellen, I know the growth in promotional merchandise that Carrie talks about, you know, it sort of reflects or is indicative of the increasingly important role that branding and marketing play in all businesses today. It's all about message and brand identity, and doing that online through the written word is what you specialize in at Reputation Capital. Now, you are a columnist for the Washington Post. What made you want to leave that and start this? That's that's a fascinating part well, of the story. Well, you know, it's one of those things where, as, as you were telling your story, I, I heard a little echoes of mine. You know, you do something, you have a career, and you're really good at it, and you start looking around and trying to figure out what, what's next. And I would say that working in traditional journalism, I, I spotted, I guess, over a period of a couple of years that there was increasingly a need to for brands to produce high-quality journalism. Some of the best-known websites right now that people were just totally devoted to reading weren't, in fact, traditional publishers. I always think of Open Forum by Amex mm -hmm. as a great example of that. People go read that and they forget that they're reading a marketing site. They just completely forget. Um, and so the goal of, of, of RepCap is to create that, to help companies create that content that supports their brands. Because especially in the B2B side, again, right. it's back to that for the premium idea, frankly. It's like you can't just put a bunch of words up there. It's like it's about trust. The, these companies have long sales cycles. You know, you want to really show, it's one thing to say you're an expert. It's another thing to prove it. And good content lets you prove that in a mm -hmm. scalable way. Mm -hmm. So we help companies do that. So you got into this when? 
so RepCap, so I actually went from the Washington Post, I then went to a company called Smart Brief, which is a digital publishing company based up in DC and spent a little time working there. And then I, I wanted to move home. I tell people I spent 13 years trying to figure out how to move back home, um, but I had to start a business to do it. So I came on down here. I guess we've been in business now for three and a half years. Okay. And it's at this point we have six full-time employees and then a network of a couple dozen contractors that we tap for specialty things. Um, you know, our clients are all over the world at this point. I have more clients in Canada than we do here in the state of Louisiana, which baffles me every time I have to take those checks to the <laughs> bank. <laughs> um, but it's been really, how, really exciting. How do you exciting. get Canadian? I mean, how do you get clients all over the world? Is it word of mouth? Is it through your connections? Yes. So it's a yeah. lot, actually, and it's our own marketing. So it's a combination of referrals um, from existing clients. It's our own content marketing is like the primary engine of that. So we don't just have to go around one-on-one -on -one with people in the community where I live, like meeting people and telling them about this stuff. People find our website, they download our, they read our blog, they download our white papers, they sign up for our newsletter, and how, whenever it comes time that they need content, we they know us. Like people call us and they talk to us like they've known us for really? years, and all they've done is read our website. That's fantastic. So, so if I brought my company to you, or say mm -hmm. Carrie brings his company to you, what do y'all do? So the first thing we want to do, sure, and um, we want to figure out who are you trying to reach. So it's the same old marketing, you know, approach. Like who's your persona? Who's the buyer that we want to get? It's like whose attention do we want? And then what do we want them to do when we get them? And in this case, I would look at like who the buyer is. You know, who are you trying to uh, you know attract? Actually, give me an sure. example. Who's your buyer? Uh, buyer would be uh, T Brown at GMFS. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, what kind of stuff do they? Does that person like to read when they're not? I mean, they're, they're either for work or for fun. Um, I would say most, most probably for work. Mm -hmm. okay. I would say. What? Give me some magazines. Give me some newspapers. What do they like to read? Uh, Wall Street Journal, mm -hmm. uh, for sure. Uh, business Report. Mm -hmm. um, oh, good. We like yeah. that. <laughs> yeah. uh, That's the, definitely on the list. The, the coffee table piece in Baton Rouge. Um, and um, it's, of course, becoming more online-based. Mm -hmm. um, uh, likes to read a lot in LinkedIn mm -hmm. and, and blogs and mm -hmm. those types of things. So we start figuring out where they hang out and what they like to read and what are their problems that they're trying to solve. So what are the things that you can give them advice on? I don't mean to pick on you and sort of make your business no, my sure. case study in this conversation, yeah. but you know your customer really well, and I bet you know what their common questions are and their common issues are. But so what we would try to do is figure out how to create, essentially, make your publications, your website, you know, your email newsletter, whatever it is that you send out, that it would be a reflection of that expertise and that it would be written in a tone and like a, just a subject matter and style that match the other things they like to read. So yeah. we take our cues from that. So for actually a good example of that, even with it, looking at the business report, sure. it's the difference between in register and the business report. They're totally. read by completely different audiences, mm -hmm. right? So we write in a different tone. We cover different material. And so businesses, it's very, it's very similar. It's like you take that brand and you figure out what is the publishing brand that's an extension of that. Can you take a look at my website? This <laughs> 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 How much of a role does social media play in, in all of this? It's that, huge. That it's huge. It's, it, because that's what lets you, you know, you, you can have a website and it can be, you know, the best material. It can be just total great, you know, proof of your expertise. But if people don't know about it, if they don't have a way to share it, mm -hmm. it doesn't matter. You could be writing the most amazing material, but if there's no way to get it out there and sort of get the, you know, build up that network. And social, I mean, are websites that. still as important as they were, say, five years ago before the pervasive handheld device and social media? More important. They're okay. more important than ever. And what you want to look at it is, that, well, really, you have to look at it in a holistic approach. You know, we, we tend to divide it up into owned media, 
earned media and paid media, right? I don't know if you guys, any of you have ever heard that, that sure. sort of breakdown, but owned media is, to my mind, still the most important because it's the thing you can control. Your website belongs to you. You can publish anything you want on it. If you decide you don't like it, you can take it down. You can make changes to it. Facebook, while wonderful and can help you, and LinkedIn can help you reach this wide distribution, in the end, it's not yours. It's not your right. channel. It's not your content. Mm -hmm. You're just kind of at the mercy of whatever they feel like doing. So the way this works the best is when you have your own great owned content, it earns you mentions in the media because you're, you're an expert, and then you also throw in a little paid to turbocharge that. Mm -hmm. That's usually like you want that holistic approach. If you rely on any one of those, just one of them, you know, you've got... You know, we talk about the stool that needs three legs. It's like, don't don't leave yourself just sitting there on one <laughs> one stool. Right. I so. mean, it's funny because I guess branding and marketing used to sort of be an, an afterthought for a company, or it was something. To, but today, it it's almost has to be at the forefront. I mean, before you do anything else, you have to if have you your good customers. product. But <laughs> like, I mean, that has to be. We we find it doesn't matter what space you're in. Mm -hmm. If you're in the automotive space, mm -hmm. if you're in the petro industrial space the PR space, uh, brand, we feel, has never been higher on the priority ladder. Mm -hmm. And I mean, just the growth of your company in such a short amount of time shows how important it is to... Well, thank you. I, we, um, we, we've got a lot ahead of us, but uh, that, that's nice of you to say. That doesn't surprise me at all. As somebody who goes to a lot of conferences and we work with our clients, the majority of the promotional products that are available are not things that you would naturally want to wear necessarily or keep you know like they're just not the versions that you would want so i'm very excited about this <laughs> and you. i just wonder what you know what goes through some somebody's head i mean when you see the pen that has turner industries on it or the shirt or the koozie or whatever the really nice bag is it on some some conscious level that just makes you feel good about that company when you see the name for instance you get well, I, I think it I think the human element plays a role mm -hmm. everybody wants something for free everyone mm -hmm. wants something that maybe they can't have now now of course budget always plays into this I, I, I don't want to uh, say that that's not part of the process if, if you're doing giveaways at a trade show and you're an insurance company and you're giving out 10,000 widgets of course price uh, sure. plays a major factor it always does but um, it's uh, brand and, and and you know specifically in the brand world we live Live in today, uh, the fashion world, the amount of media exposure—it's—it's uh, it's in everyone's mind space now. We feel it is, and I would also say, you know, especially I think both in both of our businesses, it's more about value than about low price. Because um, I think what you can do both with like sort of the products that you guys are selling, and then with content, you know, there are low value ways or like they're inexpensive ways to get those things out there right you can get cheap koozies you can get cheap content sure. however mm -hmm. is it actually going to be the reflection on your brand that you want because I think it does matter when you pick up a nice pen and think about how a nice pen feels in your hand think about the difference between a nice shirt and a shirt that you know you a cheap, didn't, ugly yeah, a cheap, a cheap yeah. ugly shirt and how they make you feel which one are you more likely in, in, in the case of the items to, to keep using every day and look at every day and get that brand impression and then with content it's a similar kind of relationship you can get cheap content that somebody glances through clickbait looks at doesn't do anything for them and then they just are annoyed and move on or if it's full of typos or anything like that or you can get high quality 
matches your brand, builds that sense of trust, build, you, know, you get a good association there. Well, speaking of building a brand, we have an aspiring entrepreneur joining us today who has a brand that is growing in popularity in Baton Rouge foodie circles. And with a company name like Bacon Nation, it's not hard to see why. This young entrepreneur is Trey Bacon. That's actually his last name. We met Trey through the Louisiana Business and Technology Center. The LBTC is a business incubator that offers the resources of LSU to entrepreneurs and innovators. And Bacon Nation is about a one-year-old Baton Rouge-based food company that has a signature barbecue sauce, right, Trey? Yes. And more products hopefully on the way one day. Yeah, um, yeah, we have one product out on the market, and uh, it's a sweet tea-based barbecue sauce. Okay. It's a little bit different than anything else you can find. A little thinner, very versatile. It goes great with fish, chicken, beef, pork, even roasted vegetables. Um, I mean, in the farmer's market, we serve raw vegetables, zucchini and squash with it. And uh, it's it's been fantastic. How did you come up with this idea? Um, I love to cook. I've loved to cook since I was eight years old. Um, and uh, my parents gave me a grilling cookbook when I turned 15, when they thought I was old enough to actually touch the grill in our house. <laughs> and um, there is a, a basic sweet tea barbecue sauce recipe in there and I liked it but it wasn't great mm -hmm. and I started taking it and making it my own and it took me probably till I was about 22 to get the recipe just right and people were telling me you need to put this in bottles really yes and uh, I had I had just come out of college and I was telling these people there's no way someone's gonna buy my product were you a business major in college I was a finance major okay and uh, I thought I was gonna do real estate and uh, ended up working for Mockler Beverage for a little bit bit and then uh, was at my buddy's uh, t-shirt company Southern Marsh I don't know if y'all sure. do anything with them sure um, but I, you know, I ended up in a warehouse management position, and uh, you know, I just it wasn't what I loved to do, and um, so we started doing the the barbecue sauce stuff, and it's we've been going at it for a whole year, and. I'm, I've been overwhelmed with how much people want to buy this and stuff. And this is probably so much more fun. So much Especially more fun. Especially if you can make enough money to support yourself at it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and I mean, we, we were doing this while I had another day job, too, just so I could pay the bills and everything. And um, we're, uh, it, like I said, it's just been unbelievable. How, how are you going about getting shelf space? I know that's a big challenge. It, it is. And uh, I've been very fortunate. A lot of the... Um, grocery store owners here in town know about the LSU Food Incubator, uh, which is, I think it's a little bit different than the LBTC. Mm -hmm. uh, and they help, you know, mom and pop companies like us go from making stuff in their kitchen to putting it on the shelf. I mean, we're FDA certified, DHH approved and all that. And uh, the grocery store owners know that being backed by the Food Incubator, we have a good product. Right. And uh, so I just walk into the stores and say, hey, I'm with the food incubator. I have this barbecue sauce. And they say, all right, we'll give you, give you a chance to, to sell it. Does the incubator help you open the doors for you or you just you're it's up to you it's up to me i mean i've got i'm doing all the work they aren't making the phone calls okay. for me but but just being partnered with them yeah. is a huge huge resource what do y'all see carrie mary ellen you know is some of the biggest challenges that a company like this faces as as it tries to grow its brand you should look for th ways to sort of turbocharge your referral network this is where social can help actually okay. get make it easy for people to talk about your brand like i've, I've heard it said there are really only two parts to marketing or at least word of mouth marketing is one is be awesome. So have an awesome product. <laughs> sure. Like step one. No problem. Step two, make it easy for people to tell other people how awesome you are. So, so like you're talking about Instagram and Facebook and all anything that? Anything like Instagram, Facebook, email, okay. um, any kind of referrals. I feel like corporate giving could be one. 
Mm. Like if you can get into gift box and partnerships and things. We've done a little bit of it, but uh, we could probably do a little bit better on that. Can you get in front of John Foles? Mm -hmm. can, can you get in front of him and, and tell him who you are and what's the benefit of that? Have you yeah. ever considered having a board of directors? I get asked mm -hmm. twice a week, Carrie, you're a promotional, you live in the promotional merchandise space. Why do you have a board of directors? Why? And I say, well, why wouldn't I? They're, okay. free, they're, free, they're free and they're a group of advisors mm -hmm. for me. Okay. Um, and it, it just how do you broaden your reach? I mean, because if you get a meeting in Bentonville, of course, I'm talking about Sam's and Walmart. Mm -hmm. I, uh, it's going to very quickly get beyond the, the sugar ratio in your recipe. <laughs> yeah. And you're going to yeah, be talking yeah. about a sales margin turn and, and mm -hmm. metrics. And, I mean, they take a Louisville slugger to Coca-Cola. Yeah. Mm -hmm. They'll do it to you in a heartbeat. And, and, again, that's down the road. You're doing all the right things. Um, just uh, keep grinding every day. So, Carrie, what was your first job? I started my career in uh, New York City with a sports marketing firm, Advantage International. Uh, they've since been bought out, uh, but an incredible uh, exposure for me. Didn't make a lot of money, <laughs> but jumped on a lot of planes, had a decent expense report, met a ton of people. And I would say more than anything, it broadened my scope relative to my um, my, my uh, desires on what I wanted to do with my career. And uh, I, I always uh, positively reflect upon that four years at that firm. Quick follow-up that I'm just thinking of. You're a local Baton Rouge guy. First job in New York City. It must have been a, a, a culture shock. Something of a culture shock? It was. My, my uncle, I was fortunate, was, was in the sports field. Um, he, he, um, he got me in the field. It, um, it, it, but I leaned on him for a lot of years. Uh, but it was a culture shock. And, and, uh, but I was enamored with it though and the experience and and uh it's a good age to be up there. it was it was incredible and um again it was great for me okay well now we're going to check our inbox to see what questions have come in from our listeners carrie this question comes from jeff peterson who wants to know does working with name brand suppliers only eliminate the need to worry about quality control or do you still have to deal with manufacturers and you know overseas China worry about the QC or does Nike take care of all that for you or uh, absolutely we have to deal with that and and, and again we, we do such a wide variety of products we, we also do what we call the me too products we, we it, it you know what it pays the bills and, okay. and we don't shy away from it but uh, we have a very aggressive import program my partner and I brought to market from our experience at Nike and that's always an issue it, it's it's about creating your network of trust because there's a lot of touch points from obviously mm -hmm. delivering product from point A to point Z and although it's not rocket science, there's a lot of things that could go wrong. You've got to be but very buttoned up. Absolutely. Okay. Well, Mary Ellen, this question comes from Edward Cangelosi. Some people say while Facebook revolutionized social media, it sort of passed its prime and isn't growing enough young users. Do you agree with that? And where do you see Facebook sort of on the spectrum of social media? I would say that Facebook is still the dominant player here. I mean, we all sort of got an eye out looking for the next big thing with the up-and-coming network. And, and depending on who I wanted to reach, mm -hmm. um, I might look beyond. But for the general audience, it's still Facebook. I mean, if you if whatever place are you going to find, you know, teenagers on up, to, you know, to grandmas. I mean, the fastest-growing demographic still on Facebook is, is people older than 55. Well, I, I believe that. I mean, you can look mm -hmm. at everybody that that we know. Those people so. have money, unlike those teenagers. <laughs> Everybody starts worrying about what the teenagers are doing, but it's like where the bulk of the, the, the primary consumer in this country for B2B and B2C is still very much engaged in Facebook, and it's a very sticky site, right? The problem is that none of the other sites have quite the same stickiness. So LinkedIn, very important for, for work-type stuff, but, I mean, we all keep our LinkedIn profiles up, but do you just hang out and look at LinkedIn no. the way you sit and look at Facebook? <laughs> no. I mean, for the younger kids, you know, it's, it's snap 
Snapchat, it's Instagram. Instagram. Um, you know, it's, a lot of it's looking for more of a visual approach. That's mm -hmm. a place where Facebook doesn't necessarily um, meet everybody's needs, depending on what you're trying to sell. But no, I don't think Facebook's dead at all. Um, you show me what's going to replace it, but for now, I haven't. I don't see anything even close to the kind of like dominance they have. That, that's great, yeah. just to hear that. Do y'all hang out on Facebook? We, a lot? we do. I mean, corporately, and I, I, you I know, mean I didn't personally. know what Facebook was 15 months ago, and I, I, I was. Uh, my buddies are kidding me now because mm -hmm. I make two posts a day. Mm -hmm. I make one at 10 Central and one oh at 3 God. Central because a book I read says that's what I'm supposed to do. <laughs> I, I found a, an incredible hire, a young sales rep, because of a post mm -hmm. on Facebook, so, which uh, his aunt got to me because of a post that I. Uh, did and he it may be the most important thing that happens to AST in calendar 15 finding this young mm -hmm. man That's fantastic. The, the, the scope is broad and we let's face it and, and we live in somewhat of a one-up the Jones society right. to to a degree um, and uh, people it's uh, people like to know what's going on you have to be highly visual and mm -hmm. you have to do it in a professional we are entertaining mm -hmm. having an agency of record do that for us consistently so I can focus on other things but and it's free it's, you know, it, it's just a whole different way of, of, of thinking, really, though. You have to constantly be putting yourself out there. Mm -hmm. I mean, I like to put myself out there. I write for a living. Mm -hmm. so, but, but just to constantly be promoting yourself. Like, mm -hmm. I always felt like that wasn't in good taste. And, and you have to get over that. Mm -hmm. You do. <laughs> you really you, have to get really over do. that. And I would say the other thing to keep in mind when you're thinking about social media, when this is true of Facebook, it's of Instagram, whatever it is that you're posting on, a Pinterest would actually be a good one for, for you guys if you haven't looked at it yet because it's visual. Sure. It's like with these promotional items. So the um, it's not just for weddings. So yeah. it's not just for wedding planning. Yeah. But like what I find is that something that's actually that I heard whenever I was at a, I think it was at South by Southwest, and it was like a neuroscientist talking about the neuroscience of social media. And he said there's one reason and one reason only why we go on these sites, and it's to see what other people are saying about us. Interesting. So that's, that's <laughs> interesting. You think about people tagging you, like, and how that gets your attention. You know, you're looking right. to see what other people, like, if somebody tags you on something, you immediately go jump on the site and see what that person <laughs> said, right? So that's, if you have to think about it that way. When you use social media for marketing, you've got to be driven not so much by, here's what I want to tell other people about me. It's got to be about how do I get them to think I'm talking about to them. them. It's a different mindset. Well, Trey, your question comes from Jordan Phillips, who wants to know, how important has social media been in the growth of Bacon Nation? It's been really uh, very important. It, um, I'm not a big social media guy. I have a Facebook, but everyone was telling me that I have to get an Instagram and I have mm -hmm. to do posts constantly. I'm not one to go out there and make the posts. I mean, you were talking about self-promotion. Like you said, I feel like it's not something that I need to be doing, but I'm learning it is. It is. <laughs> and, you know, I'm, I, you know, I'm trying to do, I'm not two a day like you are, but I'm trying to do at least twice a week. Well, Carrie Guglielmo, Mary Ellen Slater, and Trey Bacon, you're all doing very different but interesting things with the marketing and branding realm. It's fascinating to hear your perspectives on the importance of branding and marketing and the sheer growth of this industry over the past couple of decades. Thank you all so much for taking the time to be here today with us on Out to Lunch. Thank you. Thanks for having us. Thank you. My guests today on Out to Lunch have been Carrie Guglielmo, co-founder of AST Marketing Group, Mary Ellen Slater, CEO and founder of Reputation Capital, and Trey Bacon, founder of Bacon Nation. You can find out more about AST Marketing, Reputation Capital, and Bacon Nation Foods by following the links on our websites, wrkf.org and itsbatonrouge.la. 
Today's show was recorded live over lunch at Mansur's on the Boulevard in Baton Rouge. Mansur's serves lunch daily from 11 to 2, dinner nightly, and brunch on Saturdays and Sundays. The producer of our show is Grant Morris. Our technical producer is Eric Morell. Our associate producer is Peter Raschuti, And our business consultants are Charlie D'Agostino and Ann Edelman. You can see photos from this show on itsbatonrouge.la and on our Facebook page. These photos are taken by Ken Stewart. You can get this show as a podcast. You can listen to past shows. And you can keep up with all kinds of social media by going to our websites, itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf.org. Out to Lunch is a production of INO Broadcasting for itsbatonrouge.la and wrkf 89.3 FM. I'm Stephanie Regal. Thank you for joining me. I look forward to meeting you again next week around the table here at Mansour's for more business Baton Rouge style on Out to Lunch. Major support for Out to Lunch is provided by the law firm of Jones Walker. Established in 1937 with over 375 attorneys in offices throughout the U.S., providing a comprehensive range of services to a local, national, and international client base. JonesWalker.com And by Business First Bank, with locations throughout Baton Rouge, providing personal and commercial banking, treasury management, and wealth solution services to help clients succeed. Business First Bank, banking with greater momentum.